Queerly Beloved. We are gathered here today for some juicy conversations about all things spiritually queer and queerly spiritual. I'm Will Fisher, and I'm a light worker, a retreat-making maven, a coach, and a drag queen. And I'll be chatting with the most amazing healers, visionaries, wizards, and witches who I can't wait for you to get to know and to learn from their epic stories and powerful practices. All right, let's get super woo together in this spiritual AF, queer AF cosmic container. And blast off. Hello, beloveds. I'm so excited to share this interview with a man I truly admire, Clyde Hall. Clyde is an enrolled member of the Shoshone Metis tribe. He's an acknowledged authority writer and lecturer of Native American culture, tribal arts, and folk waves. Out Magazine named him one of the Out 100, recognizing him as one of the most influential gay individuals in the U.S. in the 20th century. And as you'll hear in some of his stories on this episode, he was instrumental in the early days of the Two-Spirit movement. Clyde is also the executive and cultural director of the NCPC, dedicating his life to the preservation of traditional ceremonies and knowledge. In this episode, Clyde talks about the importance of honoring your brother and sister's vision when it comes to spirituality. We talk about Two-Spirit spirit, a term for LGBTQ indigenous folks and how they have always held an important vision and role within tribes. We talk about his adventure with the gay American Indians, partnering with the gay cowboys, bringing LGBTQI indigenous folks together for the first time at a gay rodeo of all things. We also talk about colonialism and the impact of the introduction of the Christian concept of sin into indigenous communities, the concept of magnificent humility, and how queer folks are sleeping spiritually giants. That and so much more. I can't wait for you to get into this episode. Enjoy. All right. Hi there, Clyde. Thanks so much for taking the time to, to sit down and talk with me today. Yes, I've been looking forward to it. Thank you. As have I. It's a, it's a real honor that you agreed to, to spend some time to share some of your thoughts and, and wisdom on these subjects. And, and where are you right now? Where are we Zooming with you from? Uh, from the Shoshone-Bannock Indian Reservation in Fort Hall, Idaho. Mm. And currently we're sitting in my office, which I call Badger House. Badger House. And Badger House, yes. And um, uh, so that's where we're at. And the, uh, it's uh, gradually slipping into fall here. Mm. Uh, beautifully colored leaves. And the days are rather warm. It's very idealistic fall weather. Mm. Um, cold in the 30s. Mm, okay. In, in the daytime, it gets in the high 60s, low 70s. So it's just ideal right now. It's my favorite time of year. Mm, nice. That fall weather, that fall brisk weather. And how did it get the name Badger House? I'm just curious to hear. By the man who constructed it, his name is Badger. Oh, nice. <laughs> his name is Bradley Bloom. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Lives from Oregon in Oregon, but he uh, he came here one summer and uh, built this marvelous structure for me. Because mm. uh, at that point, I had retired from my work that I was doing and uh, so forth. And they needed a place to go, raising three, which I fondly call corn children. Mm. My house is rather small. Mm-hmm. My actual house, it's like a uh, cottage you might say it's a three-bedroom house but it's small mm-hmm. and with three active active children 
nope, it's time for privacy. Mm. <laughs> so I built the, I had him come and build the Badger House and uh, also uh, another little uh, structure uh, that I used for my art studio. We're doing crafts oh. and things like that. Oh, wow. Right. Wow. So it's pretty well fixed up. Great. For the remainder of my Love that. Yeah. Yeah, and I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your arts and, and crafts and writing at some point too. But before we, we jump into that and other topics, uh, I mentioned that that question I like to ask guests at the top of these interviews, which is to describe the perfect avatar for who you are right now. Oh, it's a tired dragon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I love that. A tired dragon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Old tired dragon. <laughs> Old tired dragon. Yeah. <clears throat> Imagine still still powerful. Still's got some fire in there, but also many years of experience. But I'm imagining. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, just tired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks for thanks for sharing that. I'll I'll just share. You know, I'm actually zooming with you from San Diego, and uh, we're having kind of a a, a, a summery fall. Um, I think they call that Indian summer. I don't know if that's PC. Maybe you can share some light on that. But I've heard that term, Indian summer, for when it's hot in the fall time. Yes, um, Indian summer is um, kind of an old school word, old mm. school phrase. Uh, I don't hear it being used very often anymore. Mm. Um, but it's a time when uh, the air is crisp and uh, it's warm, like like in the summertime. Uh, but it's fall, and, mm-hmm. and it usually goes on for about a week or so. And maybe we're Indian in Indian summer right now here in Idaho because it's going to get cold mm. uh, next week. Um, down in the 40s and 50s, you know, so we're definitely going to be, the weather's going to be changing. Mm. So it's usually a crisp time of year. Uh, the air is, uh, you know, really how it gets in the fall and mm-hmm. the leaves are still on the trees and, uh, and, uh, and it's a, it's a good time of year. Mm. No, I, I, I don't think any, Native American person would object to that old uh, saying Indian summer because it it uh, honors people, you know, Native American people. It was a time when uh, we were completing the harvest back traditionally, storing up foodstuffs for the winter and so forth like that. And uh, that's what uh, Indian summer was all about for us. Frying mm. meat and, and uh, getting supplies laid in for the long winter hmm good to know good to know yeah so we're, we're experiencing that here in san diego we had like 89 degree weather today so i i ran off to the beach for for an hour or so and so my drag avatar would be sort of a a, a fall a fall summer get up some some uh some lady with long blonde hair, maybe leaves, fall leaves and uh, tropical flowers in her hair. She's kind of like, you know, the transition between the seasons in her, in her aesthetic. Very eclectic. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Yeah, you know, the show is called Queerly Beloved. And my intention is to talk to folks in the LGBTQ community about spirit and spirituality. And I'd love for you to share sort of how you might define spirit or spirituality. What are some of your thoughts on that? Oh, dear. Um, spirituality comes from the heart and the soul. Mm-hmm. Whatever resonates with you. Mm-hmm. Native American people always say, um, honor your brother or sister's vision. So whatever way they want to believe, whatever they, w- whatever they want to practice is okay with us. Mm. And that goes for traditional Indian ways as well as uh, whatever else the, um, that the people get involved with. If it works for you, well, we're going to honor it. Mm. Argue about it or have any questions about it or say it's the only true way or anything like that. It's your personal vision that you want to follow. Mm. Mm, so that's how that goes. You know, um, here on the Fort Hall Reservation, uh, um, there's many different sects of organized, organized religion here. Mm. And uh, the original was the uh, Episcopal Church, which I always call Catholic Light. Uh, yeah. And um, each, each reservation was assigned a Christian religion back in the 1860s under President Grant. Mm. And um, they had the opportunity to, to go out and, and uh, uh, spread the word, so to speak, amongst the people. Mm. And uh, we have a delightful little Catholic, uh, little Episcopal church here um, that's very old. And, and uh, um, it's, uh, uh, I look on it with great fondness, hmm. that uh, church. One of my priest friends, priestess friends, her name was Joan the Liberty. She said, well, a lot of times we baptize them. Miriam and Barium, and that's all we see of them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's true. Um, like I told you, that's that uh, old saying respect your brother's and sister's vision mm. because it's have no, and you know, people can't understand this because this society has a tendency to put things in little boxes. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, you're this and you're this, and they're all organized in a line. Mm-hmm. And um, with Indian people, everything is circular. Mm-hmm. All things are round. Mm-hmm. Nature is round. And the earth is round, you know, plants, trees, everything is round for the most part. Mm-hmm. And nothing is square except for the rock, which has the has angles and has the power to create and destroy and is related to the thunder and the lightning. And um, uh, so you've got to think that everything we do, traditional Native American people and even people that aren't so traditional, if they have an iota of Indian blood in them and Mm. have grown up or learned the teachings, it's a circular concept of time. It's a circular concept of everything. Mm. You know, there is no beginning and no end. Mm. And, um, so we have no problem with what if people 
want to believe in, say, any type of established religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and uh, also, for instance, practice traditional ways as well. Mm-hmm. It's, it's nothing. That's the way they want to believe. We honor that. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So, um, and that's the way they want to follow their life, and that's the way they want to live their life and practice their vision. And uh, if they want to do both, that's okay with us too. They just want to pick one uh, traditional ways. Well, that's fine too. Uh, you know, uh, so that's kind of hard for people to understand. Mm. Yeah, I, I see some parallels here too to the LGBTQ experience, right? That in a sense, in embracing our queerness, we are also following our vision for what sexuality and gender expression looks like. And we want to be respected for that vision. Um, and so similarly, first of all, I really appreciate that there, uh, that, that take on, on spirituality uh, to just respect what works for others. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, I see this, this parallel with, with sexuality too. Yes. Uh, we can talk a little bit about the old time people the old-time practitioners of uh, what we now call two-spirited. Them days, that's exactly what those old-time Indian people were doing that followed that, those traditional ways, was following their vision. Because the way they were, and I'm talking about two-spirit people, the way they were was a very powerful vision that was respected by most tribal people. Every tribe has it, had its own name with these types of visions that people followed. Mm. Uh, and there was a slight, there was variation amongst the various tribes on how these people were treated or honored or respected. And it was definitely a vision. Mm. Uh, uh, for sometimes since birth, sometimes uh, later on. The traditional Indian people did not know the meaning of Christian sin. Mm-hmm. You see, so a lot of things were were uh, practiced, you know, and when people come in, the explorers and things came into Native American tribal groups and they seen what was going on and they say, oh my gosh, this is a bunch of, a bunch of people living in Sodom and Gomorrah. No, they were practicing what they naturally was led to. Mm-hmm. And one time uh, somebody told me, well, those, uh, well, those old-time Indian people, they were just like, like old-time Indian drag queens, weren't they? And I said, no, that's far from it. You know, far from it. But, uh, you know, if you were a woman and wanted to, it was led by your visions to practice manly things, um, that was honored. If you were a man and wanted to practice womanly things, that was honored too. But then there was great power with that too, because there's the power the end of the in between, and with that with that being in between, like a, like crossroads, for instance, in old time European ways and beliefs, there was a great power in the crossroad, standing in the middle of the crossroad. And that's an in-between place, you see. And there's great power in that. Mm. And uh, so 
the old time people were honored for that. They were the ones that gave sacred names. They were the judges. They were the keepers of the songs and traditions. Uh, they had certain powers with uh, and naming people, and they had certain powers that they had for special plants that only they could use, mm. and so forth. But they were an honored in most tribes. They were an honored, honored individuals. Mm. Now, uh, when that you know, like I told you, the um, early explorers and later on the religious people came in and they seen that going on, to specifically talking about two-spirit people is what, what we call it now. And just quickly, for folks who maybe aren't familiar with that term, do you mind just sharing what that means, what you mean by that? Two-spirit was a, was a name. Uh, and a lot of people think that two-spirit is an old, old word. And it's not. Like I told you, in the in the past and still today there's names for people that follow these particular visions mm. and that's what they were known of in that tribe mm. now um, in the uh, late 60s early 70s I was part of a uh, I was going to school in San Francisco and uh, uh, and uh, <clears throat> I heard about this group that had formed called the Gay American Indians. Mm. Uh, it was for, founded by Randy Burns and, and Barbara Cameron. And uh, so I looked them up and uh, met with them, and I thought, hmm, well, these are, um, you know, these are my people. Mm -hmm. And so. I uh, threw in with them, and we have we had all kind of adventures <laughs> over the years. But we were the first group, Native American group, that formed as specifically as gay in the entire world. Wow! Yeah, we were the first. Amazing. Yes, and uh, <clears throat> um, we were mainly a social group back then, but later on we got. Uh, intensely political. Mm -hmm. But uh, during that time, the gay American Indians existed and it still does, still exists today. Mm -hmm. um, we knew that there was other people of like mind all over the country, Indian people. But how do you reach these people where we didn't have email? We didn't have mm -hmm. anything like that. You could phone them uh, or write letters to them. Mm -hmm. um, um, you know, maybe send a telegram. <laughs> <laughs> that was the era that we lived in back then. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, so we started talking to people around the country and uh, getting people together mm. because there seemed to be an awakening or a movement mm -hmm. of people in interest in all things Indian mm. Native American people um, because that was so downtrodden for long, a long time mm -hmm. and uh, but the younger people and the older people seemed to, there seemed to be an excitement a resurgence going on during that period of time uh, but uh, so we got started getting a hold of uh, uh, different people and uh, we uh, 
probably held the first gathering of what was then referred to as gay Indian people mm-hmm. or lesbian Indian people. And it happened in a very interesting way because uh, we were then associated with a man named Phil Ragsdale that put on the first gay rodeo in Reno, Nevada. Oh, wow. And, and, his, um, and his lover, Brian Seldick. Hmm. And he was a, Ragsdale was part Creek Indian from Oklahoma, uh, but he was a cowboy through and through. Mm-hmm. And started putting on this rodeo. First ever, you know. Yeah. So we thought, well, we're going to go meet up with old Phil Ragsdale because what's a what's a rodeo without cowboys and Indians? <laughs> wow. Okay. How'd that go? And it went very well. He was very receptive uh, to us being there. Mm. And the the second year, we put on a dance exhibition. National mm. dance exhibition. And um, so we thought, well, how do we get a hold of people? You know, because number one, you've got to have regalia. Mm-hmm. You, know, you got to look like an Indian with beads and feathers and so forth and uh, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And so how do we get a hold of people? So we did all kinds of things. We did, uh, again, because there was no internet. There was no, no nothing. And so we, uh, we uh, um, got a hold of people through phone tree. Mm-hmm. We, we have a person, you know, somebody else that's interested, call them up. Mm. And call this chain letter, uh, <laughs> you know, pass this invitation on to your friends, make copies of it. <laughs> wow. Wow. And I imagine yeah, an so additional thing in the way is that not everybody is so open and out to their, their communities. Yeah. Um, yes. You're dealing with a period of time in the uh, early eighties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so anyway, people started calling. Mm-hmm. You know, we got this dance exhibition, people from all over the country. Mm-hmm. And uh, as far as I know, that's the first time that Indian people, Native Americans, got together as a group of gay and lesbian people was at that rodeo wow. for the call, for that powwow. Mm-hmm. You know, because like you said, that was a big thing. Okay, this was going to be on TV. This was going to be in magazines. This was going to, you know, to to be there and be a traditional dancer or person and be photographed and saying, okay, I'm a gay Indian. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so at that mm-hmm. point, it sounds like two-spirit wasn't the term used. It hadn't even been coined yet. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm. Yeah. yeah, we used to go to the early parades in San Francisco, you know, March down Market Street so forth you know mm-hmm. people were kind of shocked hey american indians you know because indians have this kind of bravado kind of a thing with them like cowboys, you know <laughs> i love it that's wonderful <laughs> and so would it be fair to say that two spirit now holds a kind of umbrella for lgbtq indigenous folks yes yeah yes <laughs> it does uh that was uh that word was decided upon mm. again when um, Indians assembled nationally at Washington, D.C. during the gay first gay march on Washington. And the year is escaping me mm. when that 
I think it was late 80s, if I remember right. And again, everybody got together. We let out the march. Wow. Time. Uh, wow. I was one of the speakers on the ellipse in front of over a million people. Mm. Um, and uh, uh, we all got together and said, well, you know, gay American Indians is okay, but uh, we need to think of a name for ourselves. Mm. What we're going to call ourselves that honors the old traditions, mm. but also brings it into modern day. And so there was a number of <clears throat> words and phrases tossed out, and it was decided uh, that uh, we would uh, go by the contemporary name of gay American, I mean, um, uh, Two-Spirit. Mm -hmm. Later on, there was a first Two-Spirit encampment in Canada where it was kind of sealed in stone, where this woman had a quest or vision that that's what the word was going to be. And she mm. came back, people that were gathered there. Mm. And in 1990, we uh, gave some lectures uh, to the um, American Anthropological Association, AAA in Washington, D.C., a group of us came and gave papers there, and that's in a book called Two-Spirit People by Lang, um, Allen, and Thomas. Mm -hmm. all, the, all the talks are in there. <clears throat> and the uh, Anthropological Association uh, uh, passed a resolution in their main meeting that, they, uh, that Native American people uh, would now be, be called Two-Spirit People. You know, wow. because a lot of in the in the past there was a lot of explorers and stuff that came in early documentation and and uh, they called us all kinds of things but the main one was Pradash, mm -hmm. which is corruption of a French and Spanish word meaning kept person or kept boy. Oh, wow. yeah. yeah, and because uh, they didn't have any word for what they were seeing. Interesting. And so I love what you were starting to say about the significance of the kind of the cross section, you know, the, the, the coming mm -hmm. together. And so, yeah, did you want to share any more about um, the two spirit as a word to signify, uh, you know, between, you know, being both a male energy, a masculine energy and a feminine energy or, or walking between two. Yeah, worlds. yeah. yeah exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, happy to say, um, Although uh, I was involved with the coining of that word and also with the uh, people referring to themselves as two-spirit in the present day, I didn't particularly pay attention to too much of what was going on in, quote, the two-spirit movement. Mm. I knew that it was out there and there was encampments and there was groups forming all over the country and so forth, and I follow it rather loosely. Mm. Um, I had uh, other fish to fry, so to speak, mm -hmm. involved in that. And uh, I finally got to go around to going to uh, one of the encampments in Montana, um, the Montana Two-Spirit Society. Mm. Mm -hmm. They put on an encampment each year, as does other groups and uh, around the country. And uh, I found it a wonderful experience. Mm. I went there with my 
drag queen niece and my, and my oldest grandson mm. we went up there. And for years, we kind of said, I wonder what those people do up there. We should go see. And so finally, things worked out where we could pack up our stuff and go up there and, and see what it was all about. Mm. And I've consistently went to that gathering for many years now. Mm. Um, because I find it a wonderful exercise in just being who you are. And it isn't just, uh, <clears throat> it, it involves families and children and old people, young people, middle-aged people. And wow. all get together in a very loving way and have a, have a wonderful time, you know. And there's lectures and events and mm. just being with each other. Oh, that and, sounds beautiful. Uh, mm-hmm. It is. And that's why I consistently keep going. They have a little power with it, and they have a talent show and drag show and, you know, just all kinds of things, talking about different subjects that concern two-spirit people. Mm. And that happens that I go apparently at all, all these encampments, although I haven't been to any of the other ones. Yeah, um, I had a, a exciting opportunity this summer when I was in Oklahoma to go to Bentonville for a, a two-spirit pop-up. Um, and yeah, that was a yeah. good one. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, yeah. That was fantastic. Yeah, the uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, there was a group that formed as a successor to Gay American Indians in San Francisco, and it's called Bats. Mm. Um, and it's put on by you know, younger people than this was associated with the Gay American Indians, although we uh, take part in it too, as well. And uh, they put on the first powwow ever, gay or two spirit powwow in San Francisco. Hmm. And, this, um, <clears throat> and uh, I thought to myself, well, we'll see how that goes. I, I didn't go the first year, but the second year I went. Mm-hmm. And I found that a wonderful experience as well. And I've consistently supported it throughout its uh, <clears throat> years. And the last year I was the poster boy for their. Powwow! Amazing. <laughs> yeah, there was a, I was on T-shirts and posters. <laughs> wow, cool! <laughs> Chief regalia, you know, with the war bonnet and all of that, and, and um, I don't, you know, I don't let things like that go to my head uh, <laughs> about them because you're asking questions. But sure, the time it's just something interesting that I do a manifestation. <laughs> The poster, the poster man. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I, I will share, you know, I was so thrilled that I had that opportunity to go to the pop-up powwow. And when I was spending time in Oklahoma, I, I think I told you I was there to connect with the Wasage, to the Osage, because I'm part, part Osage on my dad's side. And I found yes. it was really challenging for me to get information. So the the two things that I was most interested in pursuing uh, my exploration around were the old ways, the traditional ways uh, of spirituality with the Osage tribe and the, the roles of two spirit folks. And I found that those were the things that were the hardest to get folks to open up and, and share, or even to just find info about. Um, That's because they didn't know you. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that was a big factor. Yeah. Indian people, what we do is we, you know, when we first meet people, we're kind of reserved. Sure. To watch you. 
Yeah. And you are in the world. And, uh, you, you know, it takes a while for people to get to know you. Yeah. Then just ask those, they're not going to answer those questions to you right away, you know. Yeah. I think those uh, are kind of big, yeah, those are bigger questions too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I haven't given up and I was able to connect with an amazing two-spirit uh, Osage person who shared a lot. Um, but I wondered, and maybe this wasn't a, a correct assumption, but I wondered if there was also the impact of colonialism that as a result of sort of colonialism and this idea that that the old ways were no longer safe to be practiced because there was an imposition of Christianity values and practices. And then we did that too. That anything native was sinful and people should forget about it. Yeah. Yeah. There was a hard line there. Yeah. And then within that, I imagine too, if, if the Osage, for example, respected and honored uh, the, the, I guess they weren't called two spirit folks, but you know, the, the folks who would have fit into that category nowadays, uh, it yeah, would fit with the, the Christian construct. What's that? Yeah. I don't know the name in Osage for, for, um, their traditional name. Yeah. I, I got to find that. So mm. it's, it, it kind of circles me back circles, circles me back to, um, this, square versus circle construct right that that this this christian value of there's uh you know there's right and wrong there's sin and acts of of good um it, it is imposed you know upon native folks um and that perhaps within that there was no longer room to honor the the two spirit folks i'm curious if there wasn't. I'll tell you a story that happened. Uh, a lot, everything. I mean, everything in the way of native practices had to go underground. Mm-hmm. You know that the uh, and um, <clears throat> and that included the two spirit traditions as well. Mm-hmm. There's a story amongst the Crow about uh, a group of two spirit men and uh, that the. Uh, uh, that and there was women too, but mainly men because they practiced wearing traditional women's clothing all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what they did, and everybody honored them for it. And there was a man named Ashtish finds them and kills them. Mm-hmm. That uh, was a warrior for a day during the Battle of the Rosebud, but that's another story. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, he practiced tra- this tradition. Uh, the uh, I'm probably going to pronounce it wrong. Bade uh, tradition amongst the crow and the organized Christian religion that that was assigned the crow territory or reservation um, persecuted this man. They had them put in jail. Hmm. Uh, they were in leg irons, wearing striped suits, and literally being worked to death. Wow. And even if you go there today at Crow Agency, there's this group of very ancient cottonwood trees that is planted in a square mm. that was a two-spirit men planted as part of what they did, you know, and the, and the, because it was regarded as so sinful, they were going to work these people to death. Wow. You know, mm. so that's how bad it got with everything. Wow. And 
Uh, luckily, the chiefs and headmen they carried, they went to the superintendent and and uh, and they said, you, "It's disgraceful what you're doing to these people. Mm-hmm. These men, they're honored men amongst us, mm-hmm. and you can't do this." Mm-hmm. And so eventually, they were free. Mm-hmm. Wow. But that's just a good example, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, all Indian ceremonies, traditional belief, language. Uh, traditional dress, anything was uh, banned from the late 1880s and it didn't loosen up until about the 1930s. Wow. And it was only in, until 1970, it was in 1975 that the United States government finally recognized that traditional Indian beliefs and spirituality was a bona fide way of believing and religion. Mm-hmm. That was in 1975 by an act of Congress. Wow. And how is it today? What's your perspective on how well people, Native folks, have been able to reconnect with old ways or, you know, it got to that idea of the vision being honored. In what ways is it being honored or not? Well, there's the, uh, you know, the, uh, our work originally as gay American Indians and later with the other groups that are around the country has um, made great inroads. Mm. There's a lot of work to be done yet mm-hmm. because you know, things amongst groups of Indian people are, well, I'll put it this way, they're not peaches and creams, a cream amongst a lot of the tribal groups around the country as far as accepting the two-spirit people. Mm. So there's a lot of work to be done with that mm. today, but um, but uh, proud to say, you know, we uh, here on my reservation, um, the young people are just themselves. Mm-hmm. They're following where they want to be, mm-hmm. and uh, if they want to hold two spirit functions that are grand five-story luxury hotel here and walk down the mezzanine in an evening gown, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Nobody says anything. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the uh, two-spirit people here are, are um, very honored people for what they are and who, what they do. Mm. Thanks to Navajo and others as well. You know, so it's again has been accepted. Mm-hmm. And there's people that, um, you know, a lot of the Native American people um, don't really, a lot of them, some of them do not identify as two spirits, but they identify with the old practices. Mm. Tribe, and they say, I'm not two spirit. I'm this, da 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 da. Mm. Or if they make the choice not to be anything but gay, well, that's fine too. Yeah. So again, it's honoring that honoring. person's vision. Yeah. They want to be. I love that. And and to to bring back your story, Clyde, you know, I, I was so uh happy and, and I was so grateful that I had the pleasure of, of connecting with you at at a, a dance for all people. And so I'm wondering if you could share a little bit about your part in bringing back some of the old ways? Well, people were considered visionaries. You know, they were uh, 
I'm considered here on the reservation uh, as a, you know, as an elder. Mm -hmm. I'm a two-spirit boys and girls, and that kind of thing. And, and, uh, <clears throat> um, um, when I moved back to the reservation after my education in San Francisco and very traveling and living in various parts of the world, I, uh, I decided when I came back that I was just going to present myself as who I was. Mm. People didn't like me. They didn't have to associate with me. Mm -hmm. When I uh, came back to live on the reservation, it was in the late 80s. And uh, after a period of not being here for maybe about a decade, you know, traveling about. And uh, um, so, like I said, I just came back and I said, well, I'm going to be who, who I am. And uh, th there was never anything said to my face or anything. You know, at that point, uh, I was uh, practicing law and serving in various capacities on the tribal courts as a judge mm -hmm. and uh, um, other positions within it. So mm -hmm. I was in constant contact with people all the time, for better or worse. And uh, I was still active with the um, gay American Indians. Of course, AIDS was going full, full strength during that period of time. Yeah. A lot of the original members of uh, gay American Indians uh, died during that period of time. Yeah. Uh, uh, going back to San Francisco became very, a very black experience for me. Because I'd either go back to watch my friends die or go back for their funerals and their honorings that they had for them. You know, uh, people are forgetting about that too. Mm. And um, the uh, Naraya or dance of all people is a dance that uh, of people coming together, black, white, red, yellow, gay, straight, um, whatever all those initials these days mean. <laughs> um, and uh, present yourself in whatever way you want to be. So anyway, that that uh, that dance or ceremony is put on for all for all people, um, dancing on a common ground, and is supported by Native American people all over the country mm. to this day because they see that it's doing something powerful of having people come from all walks of life and social position and that kind of thing. It doesn't matter when you're on that ceremonial ground. You're mm -hmm. there to dance for the common good of everyone mm -hmm. and to honor the way everybody is. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, an, uh, it's, a, uh, it's something that's much needed in this time in the world. Mm -hmm. because, uh, I didn't know it. It uh, was originally my Aunt Emma Pohype Dan's vision, not mine. I just carried it forward after she passed on. Mm. And um, of uh, this unification of all things in a circle, all people in a circle, cooperate with cooperating and working together. And um, it's been a wonderful thing, the... Uh, Naraya movement in the past 35 years. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, it's still going 
um, pretty good uh, today. Mm. And, you know, the past two years have been hard because of COVID. Uh, there hasn't been any dances or any thing with this uh, with um, with us. Uh, just this year, we started out with small groups again of thirty people around the country at various times of year, and, and um, so it's something that is much needed in the world right now. You know the um, the cooperation be- between everyone, mm. dances, and not only that, but practice it in your life. These things, mm. and so it works out well. No, you know, as far as the other things that uh, I've been involved with, you know, I, I'm a, uh, a recognized Indian art historian. And in some senses, although some people would say, oh, he don't know anything, I'm uh, like the old pe- people of old. I keep traditions. Mm. I keep uh, information on how regalia and things were constructed. and. Uh, People come and ask me about those things, how to make certain things because that way has been forgotten mm. or how things that they still do, but do them better. So I serve in that capacity too as well. And, uh, you know, I've written articles and things about um, not only two-spirit things, but also Native American um, cultural matters. And most recently, I've been involved in um, exploring my own family heritage and uh, and uh, history. Mm. And uh, I currently have a Facebook page that has a great deal of followers of my family that scattered all over the country. In fact, around the around the world, uh, that followed this page. Mm. And um, so I'm very active with a lot of things. Um, currently, currently, you know, I'm a, um, involved in raising three children. Wow. <laughs> I never thought I would be doing that ever. Wow. That wasn't in my game plan. <laughs> but here I am at the ripe old age of 71 trying to raise these three kids. No wonder there's no wonder why there's some old old dragon old tired dragon energy happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So um, you know, and instill what I can with them of traditions and respect for the culture, and uh, you know they're going to honor those things in their own way. Mm. As are the young people, you know, the future is in their hands. What they want to do with the traditions and the culture, not only with the two-spirit, mm. but with tribal traditions and culture, period. That's in their hands. They can do with it whatever they want. Mm. You know, like you, you mentioned, the, you know, practicing traditions that were hundreds of years old in the ceremonies. Mm. And, yeah, people do. But, they are changed to meet the people that live now. We're not trying to duplicate something exactly that we did 100 years ago or 150 years ago. Mm-hmm. It has to fit in with how the people's lives are right now. 
when I was younger, the old people always used to tell me this word that they would use this phrase at this time. And for a long time, and this was in my 20s, I would think about, well, what does it mean at this time? What are they trying to say by using this? Admittedly, they were second speaker, English speakers. Hmm. But at this time, what are they trying to say? And it finally dawned on me that that's all we got Mm. is at this time, past, present, future. It's all whirling around us in a circle. Mm. You know, it's a, and what we got right now is now. Wow. So what the, the younger people are doing with the culture, with the language, um, that's up to them. When you went to the power in Oklahoma, I'm sure you've seen all the dancers out there. Well, they weren't dressed in buckskin. They were not. They weren't. They were dressed in sequins. They were dressed in things that were sparkly, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, and all these colors and things that they they do, you know, nowadays. Um, you know, they're not trying to recreate something of a hundred years ago where people didn't have sequins and people didn't have all these bright colors and things and. And, uh, and so I look at them and I think, wow, you've really changed this, but it's still here. You know? And that goes for the word two-spirit, too. Two-spirit might become old hat for the uh, younger Native American people. And if they want to change it and refer to themselves as something else in the future, that's fine. I honor that. The word is not cast in stone. Yeah. So I leave that in the hands of the future Mm. and the generations to come in the future. Mm. Yeah, I appreciate this honoring of uh, evolution. And uh, I like to, I like the idea of the the new old ways, right? That it's, there's still old ways, but there's something new. And and it's, it's both. It's an alchemy of both. Yeah. So, Clyde, you know, I, I appreciate hearing all the history of the, the, the gay American Indians and the two spirit. And I'm curious what your thoughts are on what queer folks role is today, how, how queer folks uh, can support moving this, this future forward in a good way. What do you imagine that that to be from a spiritual standpoint or, or any standpoint? Well, I think that the, uh... Queer folks, as you're referring to them, are are spirit, sleeping spiritual giants that mm. we haven't seen the outcome as of yet. It's still being formulated, mm. um, and um, that the in the future, as things become more even commonplace as they are. Uh, spirit willing and uh, we don't all go back to the dark ages <laughs> which is a <laughs> you know um, that you will see more and more positive things good things coming out of queer culture coming out of people that are are uh, are practice the vision as we were talking about in one respect or another 
Mm-hmm. Um, if it's allowed to manifest and continue and blossom, um, I see great things in the future. Mm. Um, because after all, just like the old two-spirit people, we're the catalyst that keeps things together. Mm. In so many different ways in this society. Mm-hmm. And and uh, I see that manifesting if things don't uh, turn sour on us, which I always tell people, you know, history has a way of repeating itself if you're not careful. Mm-hmm. And things that have been given and granted can easily be taken away. And that's why we as queer folk have to be ever vigilant. Mm. You know, because uh, um, things can be things can be taken away, and we'll be back to base one, which is not very nice. And then the sleeping spiritual giants will continue sleeping, or you know, sleeping or being very deeply suppressed. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Or kill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Be real about it. Yeah, thank you for that. I, I love that vision um, yeah. of the the sleeping spiritual queer giants awakening and, and helping to make the impact that this world needs. Yes, yes, it's much needed. Any final thoughts, any final things you want to share as we wrap up today? Well, we've covered a lot of, the, a lot of ground. Yeah. People can digest it, you know, with the, with things. Um, um, one thing that I always practice in my life is uh, the thing that I call magnificent humility, mm. and that's um, magnificent humility is kind of hard to explain um, because it has to do with kindness. It has to do with giving. It has to do with loving. Um, And uh, not thinking so much of yourself. Mm -hmm. Because after all, as uh, old people say, you know, we're just these humble two-leggeds trying to do the best we can. Mm. And always remember that that's, uh, that's, when it comes down to it, that's what we are. Mm. And we're here for a short period of time. Mm-hmm. We have to do the best that we can during that short period in time of time to live a good life and to affect the, affect the world in good ways. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's what I'd like to leave with that, is that. And, uh, you know, I hope the people here have learned something from this. And uh, as a uh, the old people used to say, may the great spirit make sunshine in your moccasin tracks. Mm. Mm. It's been delightful talking to you today. Oh, a true delight for me as well. Thank you so much, Clyde. I really appreciate it. Oh my goddess, beloveds, what a joy it was to be with you today. Let's hang out again soon, okay? Sending so much love and light your way today and every day. Until next time, peace.